All right, well, praise the Lord. We want to thank you for joining us on this Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to be getting into the Word of God tonight, and if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Psalm 138. That's where we're going to be beginning at tonight, and uh, we pray that everybody's doing great, doing well, and we want you to know that we are so thankful to uh, be here to be able to bring the Word of God to you this evening. So let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we ask that you pray with us, uh, and let's get started in the message tonight. Amen. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you for your anointing. Lord, we thank you that no matter where we are, your presence is there. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be aware of your presence right here, right now. Lord, I pray that you would draw near to those, Father, as they draw near to you. Lord, we pray for that word in due season, for that word of hope, for the word of restoration, for your word to be anointed tonight. Lord, I ask for the anointing to preach and teach as you desire. We ask for that anointing to hear and receive in Jesus' holy name. And everybody says, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to begin on our Wednesday night Bible study right here in Psalm 138. And what we're going to do is we're going to begin in verse number six. So you can follow along and we're going to move forward from there. Go to a couple of different passages, but beginning in Psalm 138, verse six. It says, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. And here you see the context that the proud is someone who is not Uh, reliant on God. A proud person is someone who we would call self-reliant, a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of person. And, you know, in America, we have um, that kind of mentality. Oftentimes we have so many uh, things ingrained in our culture that is pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And there is a lot of significance to that However, when it comes to the things of God, God petitions us to be reliant upon him. There are things that we have to put into God's hands and trust him. And in those matters of trust, it's when you stop relying on yourself, when you humble yourself and you recognize your need for God, that you'll see God move in ways that you didn't see before. And God oftentimes will wait you out until you become humble. One of the prerequisites to a move of God that we often quote in this day and in this hour, which is Second Chronicles seven fourteen: if my people, which are called by my name, will what? Humble themselves and pray, and turn from their wicked ways. The humbling of ourselves is a turning away from relying on self, a turning away from trying to figure things out on our own, and a turning to God, a trust in him. Now, one of the things that we see as we go through this next part of the scripture is is promises that many people would love to claim. Many people would love to claim these promises. The reality is that these promises are made available unto those that are not self-reliant, but those that are God-reliant. And one of the things that we see about God-reliance is that 
when you step out in faith and you begin to trust God and you begin to release your cares, you begin to release those burdens and you put them over onto God, you release those things. One of the things that we have a saying in churches sometimes is, you know, people will lay those burdens down at the altar, but then they pick them back up and take them out the door. And the meaning of that is that sometimes we pray and we want to release this to God, but yet when we get up from prayer, we go and try to manipulate the situation our own selves, and we try to force uh, the situation to bend to our desires and to our ways. And, you know, one of the things I was praying about this message, we we are here in, uh, I call it Quarantineville. We're, we're in a time and a season where everybody's lives have been turned upside down one way or another. Some people are going through uh, hardships because of the loss of loved ones. Some of us are going through hardships because of loss of jobs. Some of us are going through hardships just because uh, of the change in, in the culture, the change that's going on. Well, you know, whenever you think about it, we have to lay those things down before God, but it's really easy to pick those things that you laid down back up and begin to try to manipulate it yourself and put your hand on it to bend it to your will and your desire. And this is one of those things where, you know, if, if you're in a battle between your will and God's will, um, God's will is greater. And, and so it's much better if we will go ahead and get our will lined up with God's will, uh, just like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember before the crucifixion, he went to pray at the Garden of Gethsemane and he took his close disciples with him and he prayed, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And in that prayer, we can learn so much from our Lord and Savior. Uh, he prayed not uh, for his own fleshly uh, will, but he prayed that the will from the Father, the will that went forward from the foundation of the earth, that that will would go ahead and go forth. And, and so we can, we can see that in moments of crisis, we have to make decisions in our own lives in moments of crisis. Um, that God's will be done, that we not try to manipulate situations and, you know, say that we're giving something to God, say that we're going to pray about it and give it to God, but yet take our hand upon it and then begin to manipulate it our own selves. So with, with that said, let's, let's look at that one more time. It says, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Unto the lowly, that's the person who approaches God in a humble manner. That's the person that approaches God in, in a manner consistent with humility. And, and in that humility, God says he's going to respect that when you come to God in that way. Now, then we see, but the proud he knoweth the far off. And there's many people that go to church, but if you, if you go to church or you serve God, but you have pride in your heart that... That again, that is a resistance to, to relying on God. When you have that kind of pride in your life, God just kind of pushes you away just a little bit um, because God's not going to honor 
someone who does not rely on him. God's not going to honor someone who doesn't trust in him. And you know, that's something that we could all do right now is trust God. That's something that we all need to do in a greater way is to trust God. Uh, I, I love that old hymn, you know, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And what a beautiful hymn that is. And what an awesome reality And yet so many of us, especially in times like we are living in now, we have a hard time uh, trusting God in in the, the things where people don't see. That's where we can manipulate things and try to bend things to our will to suit our own selves. And, you know, um, that's not what we want to do. We want to be, uh, in line with the Lord. So let's, Let's look at verse 7 and then then verse 8. We'll go to a couple of other passages for this Bible study. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the work of thine own hands. So look, here's the reality. The the psalmist is saying this, whatever David wrote this psalm, he said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, that's the reality. There's a reality there. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, yet I know God's there with me. And he said, you're going to revive me. That is, though I might get weary walking through the rain, though I might get weary walking through an inundation of trials and problems, though I face unknown foes and I'm coming up against things that I never wanted to come up against, I walk in the midst of trouble. You see, it's not just one trouble. It's not just a couple of troubles. It's the midst of trouble. That's a season of hardship. That's a season of of trial, a a, a time period that you don't want to even wish on those that you don't really care for. And, And so as he's walking through this midst of trouble, there is faith exuded. You will revive me. Now, this is not a pull yourself up by the bootstraps pride that David's exuding. It is a reliance on God. And that's one of the things I want you to see as we go through this season that we're in right now. And, you know, nobody knows, is the virus going to come back in the fall? Is, you know, is somebody that I love going to get sick? Are my kids ever going to go to school again? Or am I ever going to get to go to church again? As we enter into a time period like that and we're in this, economic upheaval and we're in this lifestyle upheaval it's good to know and it's even better to exude that faith that you know what i'm walking in the middle of trouble i am walking in the middle of trouble but i know god and i know my god is going to revive me as we stay humble and reliant upon god we have these precious promises that God will revive his people. That is a promise of restoration. That's a promise that even though we may be walking in a dry season, 
through the world, we will not dry out because we have been tapped into the source of life. We, we have a fountain that flows from the rivers of life, and that is that Holy Spirit that flows from God to mankind, and we have been connected by that Holy Spirit. And he said that reviving, and this, this is all you know, on the front side of the cross and on the front side of Pentecost. And yet David had that confidence that even though I'm going through a hard time, help's coming, help is coming, and that God reliance helped him to navigate through hard times. And one of the things that you can do as you look over David's life, you can see David experienced hardship after hardship after hardship. He went from the beginning of his life. He was relegated to the to the back of the pasture. He was, you know, the 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 sheep boy. He was the the runt. He was the one that his father didn't even recognize when he brought his other sons to be uh, seen if they were going to be the king. He was the left out, the the black sheep of the family. And then all throughout his life, he faced hardship after hardship. Some of them he brought on himself. Some of them they they weren't. Some of them were just the, the product of the situation. And yet, all throughout his life, his confidence kept coming back to a faithful God. I know God, and I know he's faithful. And, and that faith in God helped sustain him in the hour of trial. And I want you to know that the same God that David served is the same God that we serve and the same God that revived David in the wilderness and revived David in the cave of Adullam, the same God that gave David courage when he faced Goliath, the same God that gave David courage when he faced the, the, the kingdom being stripped out from under him, that same God that revived him in hardship after hardship is the same God that we serve and the same God that will revive us. Now let's, let's look a little bit deeper in this verse or a little bit further in this verse, just uh, thou shalt stretch forth thine hand. This is after he revives. Thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Now that is, I'm putting my life in God's hands. I'm putting my confidence in God. I'm not relying on myself. I know Who's going to save me? And it's not me, it's God. That's exactly what David is saying in this passage. In this last verse, I love because it's, it is a reflection on what's going to happen. We don't know how things are going to happen, but we do know certain things will happen. And look what David said. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. You know, there's a lot of things that concern us, right? Think about what David, David out all these issues and probably even issues we didn't know about. And yet he's saying, God is going to perfect those things that concern me, the, the issues of my life, even the issues that maybe I haven't shared with anybody. Maybe there's uh, questions that I have, or maybe there's fear, or maybe a, a hint of, of, of doubt or despair. Maybe I have a little bit of, of, of depression or whatever it may be. And, and these things I can take to God, and I know that God will perfect these things that concern me. In other words, I'm going to cast my cares on God 
because I know God cares for me. Exactly like the apostle Peter wrote in his epistle. Cast your cares on God. Know that God cares for you. And that's the confidence that David was exuding in his God. And I just want to just share with you, you know, that's one of the things that we have to do in this time period is get more God reliant in our lives. And, you know, you may not be able to go to church right now. You may not be able to go, you know, do some of the things you used to do. You may be even, you know, in an economic situation you never thought you would be in. But remember this, God loves you. And God cares about you. God has not forgotten you. And God has promises in his word for you. The promises that we have in the word of God are more real than a stimulus check. The promises from God are more real than thinking you're going to have a job in the morning. Because the reality is the stimulus check might bounce. Lord, we hope not, but it might. And the reality is you may not have a job in the morning, but the truth, the truth is that God's word is true and his promises are sure. And we can, we can stand on the word of God because God said he exalts his word above his very name. And so that word of God, that those promises that we can receive, we can hold on to those and be more sure of those than even the air that we breathe into our bodies. Now, let's finish this verse, and, and I want to take you somewhere. It says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. And that kind of harkens back to this, Lord, don't forget me. Lord, you're the one that started this. You're the one that, that anointed me. You're the one that you know, touched my life. And, and, and as believers in, in our day and in this church age, this dispensation of grace, we can say, Lord, you know, you're the one that gave us grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. You're the one that, that gave us everlasting life through our faith in the Lord. And we know that if you'll do that, there's nothing that you'll withhold. If, if you won't withhold life, if you won't withhold everlasting life, if you won't withhold your own son, how will, you, how will he not freely with him give us all things? And the all things there are the things that concern us. Now, we, we don't, you know, want to tell God exactly, you know, Lord, I want $10 tomorrow, or Lord, I want this. But it's just knowing, a relying on God that, you know what, the things that, that concern me, the Lord will perfect those things. The Lord will tend to those things. He will button those things up. He, he will address those issues. I don't have to worry about them because I've put them into God's hands. And that's one of the, the things about faith and waiting on God and trusting God that I want you to see. Now, with that said, Let's go over to Hebrews chapter number six and let's keep on the same uh, line of thought about God's faithfulness, especially as we walk through some of the trials that we face in our day and in our generation. Now, in, in Hebrews chapter six, let's begin in verse number 10. Hebrews six and, and we'll begin in verse number 10, amen. Isn't it awesome to know that God will perfect the things concerning his children? 
Isn't it awesome to know that God loves us and it's not based on how great we are, but it's based on how great he is. I, 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 love, I love that. Um, I, I love F.B. Meyer. He said one time, um, you know, for every 10 looks at your own faith, take uh, for every one look at your own faith, take 10 looks at, at the faith of Jesus Christ because we are supposed to keep our eye on him not on our own selves and sometimes we'll say well you know I shouldn't have done this I shouldn't have done that I, I could have done this better I could have done that better somebody else is doing more than me somebody else is doing greater and F.B. Meyer saying stop looking at your own faith stop looking at that and and just remember it's not about that it's about who you're looking to it, it, it's not about the size of your faith. It, even the, the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. So it's not about how great or, or how good you've, you've done. It's about who you trust, who you believe on. That's where faith exists. And so uh, beginning in, in verse 10, so Hebrews 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous, right? We know that. God's not unrighteous. Listen. God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. You know, sometimes in our lives we, we think, well, you know what? I've gone to Sunday school. Um, I gave money to my church. I served in this program. I helped out at the mission. I did this. I did that. And, and nothing has changed in my life. Well, first off, you might be serving for the wrong reason uh, because we don't serve to get things. We don't serve to go up a ladder. We serve out of a labor of love. We serve just out of a response to the grace that God's given us. So we don't serve to get. So if you ever have that kind of concept in your mind, check your motives. And, and, and I say that with all love because we don't serve so that we can get we serve because of love. And, and so he says here, God's not going to forget your work and labor of love. So whenever you put your hand to the plow for God, you don't have to worry about, you know what, so-and-so got more than me or so-and-so uh, got it faster than me. You don't have to worry about that. You can just put your hand to the plow for God, get busy in the kingdom of God, get busy encouraging others, get busy praying for others, get busy lifting other people up, interceding for them in prayer, get busy texting, calling, serving, get busy studying the word of God, get busy doing things for God, and you don't have to worry about God doing whatever you want him to do. You can just get busy doing the things for God and just say, you know what? God's not going to forget me. God is going to perfect, as David said, the things concerning me. So I don't have to worry about those things because I know God is going to take care of me. It just releases that self-reliance as you begin to serve God out of love. But let's continue in this. It says, um, and, and, and the forget, that one of the, one of the definitions for that forget is to lose out of mind or even to neglect. And we know God's not going to just lose us out of mind. That's, you know, one of the, the uh, you know, one of the things that we have. God's not forgetful. God's not forgetful. He's not going to scratch his head and say, uh, who was it that prayed that one prayer? God's not forgetful. 
Um, he's God, okay? He's God, and he's not forgetful. He's not going to neglect you, so you can just release those cares. You can release having to worry about how good somebody else has it or why you don't have this or why you don't have that. Look, God is going to perfect the things concerning you. That's what we read in Psalm 138. So, look, you have to either stand on that promise and, and realize that promise for your life or you're going to be busy all the time worried about when you're going to get yours, when you're going to get yours. And if you do that, the devil's going to wear you out. He's going to wear you out because he's going to show you how much more or how much better other people have it. You know, he, he might even say other people don't struggle like you. Other people don't have it as bad as you. Other people... That, that's called, I call that comparativeville. You live in comparativeville, you're going to not accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish in life because it, it will take you off track. It, you will begin to regress. It, you will begin to go backwards and not forwards. And you know, in this in this time and in this season that we're in, we're in a quarantine time. And God wants us to get reignited. He wants us to seek refuge in him. He wants us to get, you know, renewed in the spirit, not regress, renew. And, and as we do that, it's going to take us releasing the anxiety, the anxiousness for tomorrow, the cares, the burdens, and just trusting that God is going to perfect the things concerning us. Now, we're going to touch on that, the things that concern us. Look at verse 11. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. You know, Paul or Apollos or whoever you believe wrote this, he said, you know, God wants you to do the same thing and do it diligently with full assurance all the way to the end. God doesn't want you to waver. You know, we're supposed to, to be ready in season and out of season. There's times we don't feel like it. There's times we don't feel like it, but you know what? We'll be able to lick our wounds when we get to heaven. We'll be able to take our breath when we get to heaven. We only have one life here, and the best thing we can do is give it to God. And so that's, that's the mentality that he's, that he's trying to instill in the people of God here. And look at verse number 12. This is why a lot of people don't inherit the promises of God. Do you ever think about that? You know, God's promises are not like the lottery. It's not like you get a Bible, you get a Bible, you get a Bible, we all scratch it off and only one's a winner. That's not, that's not God. That's not the right concept of God. That's, you know, that's not the right concept. But what is it? It's that some people actually believe. Some people actually release the reliance of self and begin to rely and trust God completely. It's easy to say you trust God. It's a completely different matter whenever you get involved in a situation that, you know what, well, maybe if I tell a little white lie, I can get the job. Maybe if I tell a little white lie, I can get this or, you know, I know that God said that you're supposed to get married before you have kids, but you know, I really want a kid. There's things like that that we can do that we can just kind of fudge a little bit, bend the line a little bit, blur the lines a little bit. But you know what? God has called us to completely trust him, knowing that the things that concern us, he will perfect. The things that concern us, 
he will perfect. It reminds me of Psalm 37, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But first you have to find that he is your delight. So as we look at this promise, and like I said, you know, the promises of God, it's not like, you know, Bibles with scratch off and, you know, three people get them and they scratch off and only one's the promise winner. God has enough to make everybody successful in him. And, and, and what I mean by successful, I mean blessed. Even though you may not have what the world considers good, you can have a blessed existence in God. And that's whether you're even in the prison or in the palace. God's there either way. And the, and the reality is the promise is available to each one of us. God's promises. It's not based on whether you scratched off the ticket. It's based on what God says here. Look what he says. Be not slothful. Verse 12. Hebrews 6 verse 12. That you be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith and patience, that's what he's saying. You should look to others. Look to those that have gone on before you in the faith. Look to those in the word of God. And what you see in their life is that they, they exuded faith in God. They trusted God and then they let go. They let go of the worry. They let go of the anxiety. They let go of the, you know, I need it now, right now. They let go of all that, and they trusted God. They patiently waited on God. They said, you know what? God's going to handle it. God's going to perfect the things concerning me. That's either a reality or that's just a pretend verse. And, and, and you know what? I, I don't believe that there's any errors in the word of God. Uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why we use the King James Bible. I don't think there's any errors in the word of God. And if the word of God says there in Psalm 138 that God will perfect the things concerning me, I believe that. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then you go to this verse and you say, you know what God said? He, those things we will inherit when we have faith and patience in God. Now, what does it mean to be patient? Nobody likes that word. I remember whenever I was growing up, I said, no, don't pray for patience, you know. Don't pray for patience. You're going to end up like Job. Well, what is it, what is it about Job's character that we can draw a correlation with patience? That that we can draw from Job is that though he went through hard trials, he never, he never cursed God. He never gave up on God. He never just threw his hands up and said, forget this. Even though even his own wife said, you just need to curse God and die. He didn't. He wouldn't waver off of his faith. And he, he, he didn't have a promise that he, would gonna, he was going to have children again. He didn't even have a promise that he was going to get healthy again. But yet he just trusted God all the way to the end. And God honored that. That's patience. That's just saying, you know, I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm just going to keep hanging on to God. I know that if anything's going to do it, it's going to be God. And that's the faith and the patience that Job had. Now, the... And, in the context of this verse, he's talking about Abraham. Let's look at this next verse. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had 
patiently endured. Do you hear that? After he had patiently endured, when did Abraham get the promise of God and when did he get the blessing of God? You realize there was over, there was about 30 years in between there. From the time God promised to the time that Abraham inherited the blessing, about 30 years. And the reason why is it says in verse 15, after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Promise wasn't going to come easy. It was going to come by patience. And God, for whatever reason, waited as long as he did. And because Abraham just trusted God and waited, he eventually obtained the promise. And I want you to know, God's not going to fail you. If you'll just begin to trust God with your situation, trust God with your finances, with your health, with um, your your family issues, uh, the, the things going on in the world right now, just begin to release those things to God and say, you know what? God's going to perfect the things concerning me. I believe it. Just begin to, you know, confess that and, and trust the Lord over that issue and exude faith and confidence in God. Have patience in God. That's, that's really what it is. And I love uh, Albert Barnes' commentary sometimes. I like to read him. He said, you know, this patience, it basically means remaining faithful to God in times of trial. That's what it basically means. I love that. And how, how, how much of a word is that for us right now? Just remain faithful to God in times of trial. In those days and hours and weeks and months where we have trial after trial after trial, just remain faithful to God. You will get further when you remain faithful and obedient to God than when you try to bring big sacrifices to God. God is not moved by the sacrifices when we don't also have a heart to obey God, to love God, and to walk with God. That's what God desires the most. And so, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to share with you in this Bible study also is just, you know, not growing weary and well-doing. You know the passage in Galatians chapter 6 about uh, weariness. And, And right now, as we face uncertain days, and when the days begin to stack up and you don't know whether this is, you know, quarantine day 20 or 200 or two, you know, the days just begin to stack up. Um, it's easy to get weary. Uh, weariness comes because of the, the hardships, the external circumstances, but reviving comes from the inside. And so though we may walk in in hard times, though we may walk in a land that is weariful, that will wear you out, you have to make sure that you're drawing near to God, that you're seeking refuge in him, that you're being renewed on the inside, and that reviving will sustain you, as we read earlier. That reviving will sustain you. But let's look at that promise over in Galatians chapter 6. This is a great passage, um, Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. It says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, what, is, what do you think it means to sow to the Spirit? 
To sow to the Spirit is to do the things of God. It is to wait on God. It's to trust God, have faith in God. It's to work the things that God gives you to work. It's to do the things that God tells you to do. Sowing in the Spirit is very simple. And when you're sowing to the flesh, it's when you are letting go of God's promises and beginning to put your hand to the thing. Um, in other words, it is going back to being self-reliant. Sowing to the flesh is doing things your own way. Like I said earlier, it's blurring the lines or bending the, the, the deal. It's, it's telling that white lie to get what you really want. That's, a, that's how you sow to the flesh. It's doing the things that you really want, and you're tired of waiting on God. You don't want to do the things the way God says to do, and, and you really don't think God's going to care or God's not going to strike you down with lightning, so you're just going to do it anyways because that's what you really want. That's what it means to sow to the flesh. That's just a, a reason for it. And, and in that sowing to the flesh, there's a promise from God, okay? There's a promise from God. God, it, God ordained it to be this way, that when a person does that, they will, of the flesh, reap corruption. Somehow, some way, they will reap what they have sown. And so when we begin, trust God with our issues, we also have that promise that we will receive from the Spirit. Now, the, the next verse is the one I wanted to get into, really. This is uh, verse number nine. It says, and, so in addition to the, the law of sowing and reaping, whether you're going to go, you know, in the flesh or in the Spirit, that's how you live. And, 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 you know, so this so many times, I just got to say this, so many times, you know, people will sow to the flesh and then say, Pastor, you know, I don't understand why I'm going through this hardship, this hardship, and this hardship. Well, that's, that's the law of sowing and reaping. When, when, you, when you sow those seeds into the flesh, the flesh is a cruel taskmaster. The flesh is out to destroy you. The flesh is out to make things hard. And, and so sometimes, you know, people, I don't understand why this, this, this. Well, once you begin to sow to the Spirit, you'll see things begin to change. Look at verse number nine. And in addition to the law of sowing and reaping, right? And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. So here's, here's an, an addition to it. So not only is there the law of sowing and reaping, but also you might have a delay in the reaping if you faint or if you quit, if you tag out. You know what? You watch wrestling. You know, people tap out whenever they get tired or, you know, that, that kind of mentality. I'm, I'm just going to check out for a while. Hold up. God said he's calling us to a place where we exude faith and patience so that we can inherit the promises of God. So don't be tapping out on God. Continue. Be steadfast. And, and some of us, we have to go back to square one. Some of us, we have to get back on our knees. We have to get back and get right with God. And that's okay. If there's still breath in your lungs and you're listening to this, there's grace for you to do that. God wants you to do that. If you're listening to this, God is long-suffering. He is patiently waiting. Now, we don't know how much time we have left on this earth. We don't know how soon the Lord's coming back. We believe it's soon and very soon. But while we are in in this day and age of grace 
If you need it, go to the Lord and get things right with God and then begin to get on that right track again. God wants you there. God doesn't want you to be relegated to, you know, to outside the kingdom. God doesn't want you to be relegated to, to suffering without his blessing, without his spirit, without his promises. But God has a, a, a wonderful, wonderful promise for you. And that is that he will perfect the things concerning you. And that is if you don't get weary in well-doing. And, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to share this scripture is because a lot of times whenever we do what's right and we don't receive what we expect, we get weary. We get weary. It's, it's kind of like, you know, well, you know, Lord, at some point I need to get some gas in my tank again. You know, at some point I, I need this or I need that. Lord, Lord. But we have to remember if we will just continue to look unto God, continue to just trust him, God will perfect the things concerning us. Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. He cares for you. And, and you know, one of the things about faith is faith is built on Jesus. It's not built on how good or bad things are in our life or, you know, trying to get God to work according to our watches. I've heard a minister say that before. You know, he said, you know, people pray and they want God to move between this time and this time on Sunday morning, not before and not after, only during that time. Well, you know, God's not going to, he, he's not, you know, a puppet and, and he's not a genie. He's, he's the creator. He's the Lord. He's the master. We're supposed to be on his time schedule, and his time schedule is be patient. We're not supposed to put God on our time schedule and say, you know, Lord, you're late for your appointment with me. We're not, it, that's the reverse. We're supposed to be on his, and his time schedule is be patient. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Just continue trusting God and knowing God has your back. The things that concern you concern God and he has your back. So just continue to, to do that. Look, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. You know, as we uh, close here, I just, you know, I'm reminded over in, in Psalm 103, it's one of the, one of the more famous Psalms, but the uh, psalmist David, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And, you know, the reason that he did that, he was just, you know, he's praying and reminding himself, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why did he say that? Because oftentimes as we face trials, as we face hardships, as the sun is beating down on us and we start getting weary, sometimes we forget or neglect those hardships. And I'm saying that for a reason, because back there in Hebrews 6, the Bible said, God is not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love. You see, God doesn't forget us, but a lot of times we might forget God. And for that, we need to go back to God and say, Lord, you know what? I neglected. I neglected your promise. I neglected relying on you. There's a blessing in just being relying on God. It takes all kinds of anxiety and worry and fear off of the believer. Your, your heart doesn't have to flap 
with anxiety. You don't have to be worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow because you know tomorrow belongs to God and you belong to God. And if you live to go to tomorrow, God's going to be there. And God loves you. And God's going to get you through that day the same way he's getting you through this day. That's the, that's the confidence that we're called to have in God. So look, let's just say like David said, Lord, bless you, Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He has uh, amazing promises, and he wants to perfect the things concerning you. And as you begin to trust the Lord, and, and just get back to that simplistic faith, and, and just relying on him. Stop being self-reliant. That's one of the charges, I believe, that God's trying to get into the church today is to stop being self-reliant. Sometimes we get so reliant on our technology. We get so reliant on, you know, our performance. We get so reliant on our methodology of ministry or our, you know, our jobs or our this or our that. When we have to, God's calling us back to that place where we're no longer self-reliant, but we are God-reliant. And we just exude simple faith and say, you know what? I'm putting that issue in God's hands, and I know God's going to perfect that which concerns me. That's where God's calling us to be. That's Psalm 138. So what a blessing that promise is. Amen. Um, we're going to close with a word of prayer. I just want to pray that, that we all just begin to walk and, and hold on to and trust those promises of God once again, or maybe afresh. And I pray God's blessing over you. Thank you for uh, tuning in. This has been uh, this is Pastor Kenny Word with Gospel Lighthouse Church right here in South Bossier City. And we pray that everybody's doing well. And if we can help you in any way whatsoever, please message us, call us. Uh, you can message me anytime. Uh, but we're here uh, to preach God's light in dark days. So praise God. Thank you for joining us here today. God, we thank you for this message. We pray, God, for your anointing, Lord, to be upon this word, to seal it in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your precious promises, God. And Lord, we thank you that we can release our worries, our fears, our doubts, even our discouragements. We can release those things to you. And Lord, we thank you that by Jesus Christ, we receive grace and truth and mercy. Lord, we thank you for the cross right now. It's at Calvary, God, that you worked all things, God. And Lord, we pray that through Jesus Christ's sacrifice and through his resurrection, that we would find new life and new hope. And God, I pray that you would help communicate this word to us in the power of your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. And everybody says amen and amen. Thank you for joining us. God bless you and have a great night.